Hi, everybody. I'm Kelly Harrell, and you're listening to What in the Weird. The Weekly Rune came out yesterday, right? Today's Tuesday, right? Yes, it came out Monday. For those who are subscribed to it through Patreon, it came out Sunday, ad-free. If you would like to show your support for The Weekly Rune, you can search for it on Patreon, and I thank you so very much for doing so. It is a labor of love and crazed rune fangirl passion, so thank you for your support in getting it every week. The big news this week is we're wrapping up from the half month with Manas, which means gather your community and put it in the current life dynamic of now, which means learn through your community what you need to do to get the current life dynamic in the right direction. And as far as what community that feedback needs to come from, well, you'll just have to go read the weekly rune at soulintentarts.com. The other big news is that I began co-hosting a new podcast called Everyday Animism with two other lovely ladies who are Brandis Schnabel and Janet Roper. This podcast is dedicated to frank discussion on modern animism and what it looks like to live that on very practical terms. You can find that podcast on Anchor and various other platforms. And again, it's called Everyday Animism. Which brings me to my topic for today. I'd like to talk about something that is significant if you study the runes in terms of timekeeping and if you are an animist, as I am. For those of you who don't know that I have a new book coming out in September, Runic Book of Days, the book delves into the timekeeping aspects of the Elder Futhark with regard to seasonal half-months and Sabbath observations. The book itself is available now for pre-order on Amazon, but it's coming out in September. So the way that the book functions is it gives devotions that can be used daily throughout each of the half-months, of which there are 24, just like there are 24 Elder Futhark runes. Then it delves into these devotionals that reflect whatever's happening in the season. The half month is kind of how we monitor the seasons in the runic calendar. And that half month is, it's actually 14 and one quarter days. Some people call it 15 days. It ain't really. And the devotionals culminate in initiations that are placed at each Sabbath. So, I realize that for a lot of you, that probably sounds like a bunch of weird math. It did to me, too, at first. I thought of the runes much the same way most people do in the beginning, which is as an alphabet, as agents for divination, and as tools for magic, right? Right. And that's as far as most people will ever go with them, and that's fine. There's absolutely no problem with that. For me... Someone who lives as an animist, which means I experience that everything has a soul and that it is possible to engage with those souls. And, and from my perspective, my responsibility as a member of a nature community, it, it is my responsibility to engage with other souls of that nature community. As a shaman, that step is taken even further to be... Um, somewhat an ambassador between the seen and unseen communities, specifically the immediate nature community that I live in, to bring healing, 
back and forth between those worlds. So when I learned that the runes could be used for timekeeping, it absolutely blew my mind. Because for me, that meant that the runes were agents of place and time, in addition to those other things. But as agents of place and time, it would mean that you could use a rune calendar in such a way that you learn what runes are active for specific times of the year for exactly where you stand. It is possible, now most rune calendars today, and the one that um, people tend to accept as a universal rune calendar, it's important to say that, is um, it's laid out in basically the standard order, the traditional order of the Elder Futhark, with the order of Degas and Othala interchanged, meaning um, in, in the calendar ordering, Degas is last, not Othala, which is the traditional ordering. But um, what that means is, from this universal calendar standpoint, you can kind of base what your local, literally your long coordinates for where you live, you can base that universal calendar on where you stand and learn what runes are active at any given time. So yes, that it is possible to do that. And the book talks about that. The focus of the book is on what all of that means. How do you live it? How do you bring it into a daily spiritual practice in a way that makes it relevant to you? So this all becomes conceivable through the understanding of the half months. And I want to talk about what this has to do with the Sabbaths. So it, just in case anybody doesn't know, Sabbaths, there are, may, I can't even speak. There are eight primary Sabbaths that are observed in the modern pagan calendar. And frankly, there's all kinds of problems with that. And, and I'm going to touch on that. But how we look at the Sabbaths is a bit problematic for some people. And I want to talk about how that breaks down. So this is probably going to be distressing to most garden variety pagans. Most people who, as the, the community, the pagan community of the 90s would have said, little pea pagans, um, as opposed to the big pea pagans. Well... This, our sense of the Sabbaths in the modern culture is fabricated. And that's one issue that's wrong with how we kind of do this seasonal observation. We agree to observe the Sabbaths on a particular day, largely out of convenience around different converging details. Though really, each Sabbath occurs at a calculated time based on the sun, which means they're not on the same day every year. No. October 31st isn't Samhain. It actually occurs a week-ish later, usually between the 6th to 8th of November, when the sun moves into 15 degrees of Scorpio. So what difference does it make? Who cares when it happens, what it happens? Well, if you say that you want to walk a particular path and mean it, I think that being educated on the finer details of that path matters. Whether it falls under your purview to follow them that exact way, it, that's up to you. But at least you know your shit, right? You, you know from the cultural standpoint where it all comes from. How you follow it is up to you. And some people will also say that 
the the rituals of high magic, particularly for the Sabbaths, matters. The details matter when you're going to do these rituals on the Sabbaths. So doing your rituals at the apex of a stellar alignment or at the high point of the half-month rune, which is something that is talked about in my book, it feels different to people who are very sensitive to life force and elements as opposed to just doing it when the calendar says it's supposed to occur. So intellectual arguments, yes, maybe, no. Another one is, sit down, the modern pagan observation of Sabbaths assumes that we're all looking through the same cultural lens, and that lens has been distilled to a Celtic or Western European worldview and language. Now, what's wrong with that, you ask? Well, some of it depends on how you define pagan. Again, you know, in the, the paganism of the 90s had these strata that components of culture would fall into. But by and large, it was it's all been lumped into this pagan um, Western European worldview. And it makes a lot of, of assumptions. It makes a lot of assumptions about who we are as people, what our cultures are, what our ethnicities are, and our language. And that's where I think Paganism is having to learn a lot about itself right now, kind of like every other religion on the planet. But apart from assuming a completely Western European-centric perspective on all things pagan and projecting that onto how we should observe the, sa the Sabbaths, it serves to create further distortions on how we approach our holy days. So, I mean, for one, we're not all working from a Celtic cosmology. We need to understand what our flavor of paganism is. That, I mean, bottom line, we need to understand what it is. And if that even pertains to us, maybe, I don't know, maybe you're off the hook and there are no labels, there's no terminology. Go you. But from a more general standpoint, we need to understand that we're not all working from a Celtic cosmology. The ancient old Norse people who gave us the Elder Futhark were not working with, from within a Celtic cosmology. And this is something that I had to... I wrestled, oh God, really, truly. I wrestled with this in the book because there's the common language that we've all accepted, which is the Celtic names and cultural approaches to the Sabbaths, which everybody just assumes, you know, is everybody who's pagan, this is the way you do it. And that's not true at all. And and having to fit that into the, the what we know, at least, of the ancient Norse tradition and stay true to the Elder Futhark in what we know of that. It was not easy to do. I'm not completely sure I pulled it off. I'm sure you'll let me know, though. So we can't assume that we're all making the same assumptions about what the Sabbaths are, how we name them, how we honor them, what our cultural flavor of them is. The other part of is what our geographical experience of that Sabbath is. So, yes, when the sun is in 15 degrees of Scorpio for Samhain, it is for the whole planet. That doesn't change. It's I'm not saying something's moved and we're all out of whack and we need to update with that. The 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 alignment is the alignment. That doesn't change. But based on where we are, when we are, our experience of that Sabbath does change, and I'm arguing that even in modern times, it should change. Which brings me to my challenge for you. We don't live in ancient times. We live now. Most of us don't live in the far northern regions of Europe. 
Uh, yeah, a lot of modern pagans do live in the Celtic-influenced regions, but guess what? Even if you do live there now, those cultures are largely Christian. There is this American projected fantasy that pagan culture in Ireland or Scotland or something land, um is exactly the way our imagined depiction of ancient culture was, that it's that way now. It ain't. It's not. I've been there. I've seen it. They don't know what you're talking about. Um, yes, there are pagans there, but the cultural observation is not this romanticized version of it that we have in our heads, which is fl flawed. I mean, it's tragically flawed if you think about it. It doesn't mean that it isn't okay to reconstruct and to hold in your purview, maybe your own lineage, um, what you want your spiritual path to be in the now. But it's important to understand that that is what you're doing for you. That does not mean that it's true for everybody else. It doesn't mean it has to fit some mold that you don't feel like is appropriate for you. So the fantasy of adapting pagan rites from bygone culture and eras in a land that most of us have never set foot on in that light does not make a whole lot of sense. Um, purely my opinion. Better yet, how do the nature spirits of your immediate space where you do live, it is now, it's where your boots touch the ground, how do they feel about that? How do they feel about how you relate to the Sabbaths? So let me back up for a second. As an animist, I want to be attuned to the beings in my immediate nature community, which for me, sometimes I call them my home spirits, but they're the spirits that I walk through to get to the mailbox every day. They're the ones that I step on. They're the grass. They're the concrete of my driveway. They're the sky that I walk under. They're the birds that fly over, the trees that drop stuff on my head. They are the air that I breathe. They are me. And... This, to me, is significant to how I live as an, as an animist. I live in central North Carolina. I grew up in eastern North Carolina. I've lived here all of my life. And this part of North Carolina ain't nothing like northern Europe. And yet, that is the cosmology, or at least part of the cosmology, that is my flavor. And yet, North Carolina, eastern North Carolina doesn't have anything to do with Odin. So I live here now, and it's my duty to engage the spirits of the region that I live in. It is my obligation to ask them how they want to be involved in my life in general, but most specifically in honoring the rites and times and rituals such as the Sabbaths that are important to me. So do my loblolly pines care about Salin? No, they probably don't. Well, honestly, I have no idea. I'll ask them and I'll get back to you about that. But I can tell you that they definitely understand making the shift from sending energy to their branches in the warm season to develop the seeds that they drop that are going to be asleep during the winter and growing next spring. They understand making the shift from sending that energy to their branches to redirecting energy to their roots in preparation for the cold season, which here in this region actually does happen around late October, early November in this neck of the woods. 
And that's another thing. We don't all have the same observations of season, particularly now with global warming. No, the planets and degrees of movement don't change, though how you observe season does change based on where you are. What it's really like for you when you strip out the cultural names, the project sorry, the projections of what you should do for a particular Sabbath, what do the spirits of your actual region say about those poignant times of the year? Have you ever asked them? How do you achieve that? How do you achieve that connection and inner relationship with the direct spirits of your space with a fake calendar of pinned on Sabbaths? I have no answer to that. It doesn't work that way for me. But I think it's really important to think about. It's also important to understand that, that starting with something like a general pagan landscape is okay. It's okay to start with the Celtic names, with the Northern European correspondences to those names, to those Sabbaths, or the cosmology and the cultural overlay that speaks to you. And then you take that cosmology to your immediate animistic community and you ask the spirits where you live now how it works for them and figure out how you situate into their cosmology. This kind of coming into direct relationship won't come quickly. It will take at least one full rotation around the sun and likely many. And this kind of spiritual inclusivity is a lifelong observation. It is a relationship that you build over time. Take it to your immediate animistic community, if nothing else, to figure out how they show up for you and how you show up for them. That's it for this episode. Nobody else can do what you do here, whatever you call it, however you speak it, however you celebrate it. Nobody can do what you do here. Let me know how all this works for you. I would love to know. Call in through the Anchor app. You can download it on Android and on Apple. You can call in and listen directly through the app. Or you can contact me at kelly at soulintentarts.com. You can check out the earlier episodes of What in the Weird by downloading them from Google Play or iTunes. There's also um, other platforms that host it. And if you get a chance, check out Everyday Animism, also hosted on Anchor. I'm Kelly, and this has been What in the Weird. Hashtag be your community. <laughs>